Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where today on this episode, we're going to look at a video that has been online for a while now, and we're going to react to this video because this is a young man walking into a church to talk with a female pastor about her beliefs in theology, all things about God, holiness, and sin. So stay tuned. We're going to watch this. We're going to break it down together, and we're going to see if what is being said and combated against is right. Stay tuned. The Dr. Matters podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Doctrine Matters podcast, a tool to help believers rediscover true biblical doctrine and to help them understand and live out their faith in their homes, in their churches, and in their communities. Thank you for listening to this episode. Let's get right to it. All right, everybody, welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. It has been a while since we have come to this format, and if you have been watching any of the most recent videos, you've seen that it's been more of a conversational type piece where I have labeled it coffee cup conversations, where we are just sitting around and almost like we're having a conversation over a cup of coffee, but we are back behind the microphone here, and today on this episode, as mentioned, we're going to look at a video that is called Rebuking an LGBTQ Church, where this young man goes into this church and talks to the female pastor about what she believes, and he is going to rebuke those beliefs. So we're going to break this down and see if it's loving rebuke, if it's a correct rebuke, if this is something that should be done. And um, I, I can tell you this, I've already watched the video a few weeks ago, so uh, I thought it would be worth our time just to break this down. And, and number one, one of the things that surprises me and, and is very encouraging to me is this is a young man. You're going to see that he is not as old as I am. <laughs> as a matter of fact, he is much younger than I am. And uh, I am excited uh, about kind of breaking down this video just to, and I'd love to hear your comments on this video as we break it down as well. So let's go ahead and get started with this. This young man's name is Garrett Neal. So he is rebuking the LGBTQ church. And I can't remember if it tells where he he is in the world or if uh, he, t he says it in the world in the video or if it's in his. It's not in the, the show notes on his YouTube page. So let's just do this. Let's let's just go ahead and look at this. Let's uh, let's listen to it and I'll stop it. I'll try not to do it much, but just to kind of break down and think through biblically what he's saying and even biblically what she is saying. So let's get right into this. All right, guys, we're at the Westerville Community uh, United Church of Christ, and we're going to be going in there. We're going to hopefully talk to the pastor here because there's a couple people here, but we're going to go rebuke this church because they support a little, a little bit of pride. And 1 Timothy chapter 4 tells us how people are going to follow doctrines of devils during the last times, and we need to go to this church, and we need to call them out for their false teachings of the Word of God. And the woman's even a pastor, and it tells us in Timothy that a woman shall not be speaking in a church, and she shall stay silent. 
Now, that is a hot topic these days, talking about women being pastors and should they be silent in the church, especially in the Baptist world right now, where we are seeing a big pushback on complementarianism and many people thinking that it is wrong to think in complementary ways. And I just say that uh, there is a lot of people in the world today that are neglecting the Word of God. He is right that the Bible, I believe, especially in Second Timothy and as well as other parts in the Scriptures, call men only to the pastorate. I believe that there should only be men in pastoral positions. There should only be men that are called to be elders, bishops, pastors, overseers, whatever word you want to use. I believe that is the biblical model that we should be following or else I think we find ourselves in sin. So uh, with that being said, let's just mosey right along here. You think one of the pastor, oh. Gary and Bella. This is Susan. Hi, nice, nice to meet you. Too. What's your name? I'm Gary. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Bella. Bella, come on in. Have a seat. I guess I saw it come up on your website a little bit. Okay. Um. So like, what do you, like, what are your beliefs in, um, in God? Like, do you believe like he's holy? Oh, of course. I, I'm a clergy person. Yeah. Of course, I believe like, God is like all holy. Like all holy, yes. So, do you believe like uh, like everything in the Bible is like true? I do believe everything in the Bible is true. I would not. I'm not a Bible literalist. I take the Bible very seriously, but not literally. I base my whole life on it. So, like <clears throat> on the website, I guess I kind of have like some questions. So, it does say that you guys support like pride, right? Absolutely. Do you know like the Bible kind of goes against that, like contradicts it a little bit? Like, yeah, like first Corinthians 6 9. Yeah, I have spent my life studying scripture, and there is a really good book. I have I loaned it out to someone. So I suspect that you are here to talk to me about the LGBTQ community and how yeah. you are not affirming. So let me cut this conversation uh -huh. short. Um, we can sit here and argue about. So that's interesting that when she finds out that he is not going to affirm the position of including LGBTQ people within the church as far as members, as far as uh, affirming them in their sin and allowing them to be who they want to be before the Lord, since he is not affirming the way that she is, she's going to cut this conversation short. Now, this conversation only lasts about five minutes, really, uh, maybe a little more, but it's interesting that anytime you get to talk, to talk to someone who differs from you, if they're an unbeliever, which I believe if you can agree, if you can go and affirm people in their sin, especially the LGBTQ or any sin, whether that be affirming people in adultery and drunkenness or being thieves or anything like that or habitual liars, if you can affirm people in that and just say, oh, it's okay, you're welcome here. And yes, people that like that are welcome in our churches. I didn't, I didn't, we're all at some degree, some sort of sinner. But the goal is not to affirm them in their sin and allow them to keep going in that sin. The goal is to call them to biblical repentance, not affirm them so much that they feel comfortable continuing in that sin in the church. In this particular church, anybody that is gay or lesbian or transgender, they would feel comfortable going here because they're not going to be called to repentance from a biblical perspective. So when you find someone that is different in your theology and what you think if you're not affirming and that and this, that person is in this case she is and he isn't there's not going to be much of a conversation if it is normally it's going to be very direct and argumentative from the side that is unbiblical 
And yes, there are sides that are very direct and unbiblical that don't affirm LGBTQ and certain and other sin in the church, and and that needs to be repented of as well. I've talked about that at length, but uh, you, you'll find that it, it's a quick argument. It's going to be a nasty argument at times. Luckily, this doesn't get nasty, but it is quick. So that's just something that you watch out for. Whenever you approach someone with a biblical perspective, even if they claim to be a Christian or even a pastor as this lady does, you're going to find that conversation be cut short or it's going to become argumentative and explosive very quickly. So let's keep going. About the Bible all day long and what it has to say. And, um, if you all choose to believe the Bible in its literal version, I will not argue that. That is your choice. Um, it, let me, and I'm sorry to stop it again, but you would think that if she thinks she is right, that she would want to try to persuade him into believing why she's right from a biblical perspective. The Bible tells us that we should all be ready to give a defense of why we believe what we believe. So the same is for her. Why not try to convert him or or not necessarily use the word convert, but why not try to show him biblically why she believes what she believes? None of these people that I've seen these videos of, and these videos are, are starting to be popular across YouTube right now. They're very, uh, popular and, and people going into these churches and, and pride fest and finding people that claim to be of the church and having conversations with them. But why doesn't she try to give her defense from a biblical perspective? And I can tell you why, because she doesn't have a biblical perspective, although she has quote unquote studied the scriptures her whole life. She can't show him apparently why she believes what she believes. I have a lot of conversations with folks who feel differently than I do, and we typically get caught in what I call proof texting. There is no evidence to suggest that Paul, for example, when he said women should be quiet in church, knew that he was writing to a group of people who would be reading his letters thousands of years later. Everything was written with a particular context and group of people in mind. So I take that into account. I've spent years, years unpacking what it all means trying to understand their audience, their influences, what was happening in the context. Um, for the- That's not a bad idea. Matter of fact, we should do that. Context, audience, what is being said. However, the problem is it doesn't just end with that context. We do have to make sure we see the narrative within its proper context, but we also see a larger context for us today as Bible-believing Christians that read the Scriptures and see these same principles mapped out for us today. I said this in one of my other videos, is the culture really wants to change and conform, and many churches want the Bible to do the same thing with the culture. They want to bring it into the 21st century, so to speak. But the problem is God, in His Word, says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever which means he's never changing. He never changes his thought. He never changes what he has said. What he has said is sticking for eternity. So we do not need to take the Bible and bring the Bible into the 21st century to make it fit our context. However, we need to make our context and what we live in, the world we live in, conform to the Scriptures, especially if we're going to call ourselves Christians or believers here in the modern world that we live in now. The Bible 
is still around. It is still a bestseller. It is active and sharper than any two-edged sword, the writer of Hebrews says. So we must understand that this is not some old antiquated book that is just sitting on a shelf somewhere with no power. This is active living, and it penetrates and cuts deep bone and marrow to show us who we are. And we can't neglect any parts of the Scripture based off of what we feel or think because that's going to be trumped by what God has said. We must say, thus saith the Lord, not this is what I feel like we should take from this. But what has he said? That's what truly matters. The people they were writing to. So with that in mind, I understand the overarching theme of the Bible (laughs) is to love. I love you. I love you too, my friend. that's why I came here today to just talk to you about it. Yeah. I mean, it does tell us in Leviticus. This is something that I've seen many people that are pro-LGBTQ say is God is love, and the overarching theme of the Bible is love. And I would say the overarching theme of the Bible is God and the redemption of His people. And when you are redeemed by God, you are loved by God, and therefore He loves you enough not to leave you in the state that He found you. Let me just put it this way, and this is in no way going to be an accurate example. But recently, someone brought a a little kitten to our home. And this kitten had been living on its own out on the side of the street for I don't know how long, had busted up eyes, has gook all in it, his bloodshot eye. He just he had he was infested with fleas. It's a wonder this kitten was alive. But we found it and we took this kitten in. And we started cleaning it up, giving it a bath, giving it the things it needed to not stay in the state that it was in when we found him. You see, if we wanted to leave him in the state where we found him, we wouldn't care anything about that kitten. We wouldn't care if it died. We didn't, we wouldn't, we sure couldn't say we loved it, but we spent a little money to get some flea medication, to get a flea comb, to get something to bathe it in, to get it some food, to get it some other medicine for its eyes, to get it some other medicine for its cold because it has a cold. And this kitten is now changing from what it once was to what, by God's grace, it will be. And I even say God's grace because that kitten belongs to God. It was created by God, and everything is under his sovereign care. But we can even see that transformation take place in a kitten. And that is the same thing that should be happening in the lives of people who are saved by grace through faith, truly saved by grace through faith. People will truly change. They cannot stay in the state they were before they were saved, but they will be transformed and renewed and become this new person through sanctification, forsaking the sin and not just saying, well, God is love. He's going to let me do whatever I want. We can't get away with that argument that God is love. As a matter of fact, if we look at Psalm chapter 5, Proverbs chapter 6, we see that God hates all evildoers, but God will call those to himself to be saved, and he loves us enough not to leave us in the state he found us. We've come from darkness to light. The darkness and light cannot cohabitate, meaning if you were a gay, lesbian, transgender and then you're saved, you have to neglect and forsake that lifestyle because God is not going to allow you to stay in that sinful state because that is a sin. 
And when we say God is love, absolutely he's love. He loves enough to change and not let us do what we want. So we have to have a distinction on what it means that God is love when we say it. God is also a God of wrath, and we must understand that. But most people that are living in sin don't want to talk about God being wrathful. But even in the wrath of God, he's still love. But that's another conversation for another time. And that's a conversation that these types of folks don't want to listen to. But we have to know God is love, but he's also a God of wrath. And he will not leave you in your sin. This chapter 18, verse 22, it says, A man shall not lie with a man. Mm-hmm. That's an abomination to God. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what your like, ideology is around it, but it does specifically tell us in the Bible that a man should not lie with a man. Yeah, it does. It's a sin. It does. It also says that a woman should be quiet in church. It, yeah, look, it does what I, look what I do every Sunday. I know, it does say that as well. Look what she does every Sunday. She is prideful about the fact that she is being disobedient to the word of God. And there's no wondering, you know, what should I really rethink what I'm doing here? Is what I'm doing correct? Now, look what I do. It also says women should be quiet, but look what I do. I'm being as loud as I can. I'm going to be a a clanging gong and say I'm doing it for the Lord. Pride comes before the fall. The Bible's clear on this. So how do you feel about me being a pastor? I still believe that women shouldn't be speaking okay. in churches. I believe men should be the ones taking the roles. How do you feel about that? You haven't said a word. Um, I agree with, I mean, just what the word says. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like a male should take the role of a pastor. I know it does tell us too in First Timothy. I wish you could watch, if you're not watching on Facebook, I'm sorry, Facebook, YouTube, whatever you're watching on. I will post this to the Facebook page. But if you're not watching this, you should go look it up. Find it. Find this video. It's on YouTube, Dr. Matters Podcast. Just search it. Subscribe while you're there if you haven't already. If you have, thank you. But she leans into this girl that's with this guy, and she wants to ask him, you've been quiet. What do you think about women being quiet in the church? She wants to hear from a woman. She wants to hear her say, well, I feel like that's uh, an oppression against women. I feel like that we shouldn't have to listen to something that is antiquated. We shouldn't have to listen to someone that doesn't have a uterus. Look at look at this pastor's face, Uh, quote unquote pastor, for those of you that are listening on audio. She squints one time and I've just got it paused and she's just looking at her like, I can't believe you said that. How dare you? You're a woman. You need to be liberated. Yes, we all need to be liberated by Christ, not by our feelings, not by our wants, not by our sin. We need to be liberated from by Christ from our sin. And that is not the answer this woman wanted. And you can see it all over her face. Let me continue before we're here all night. Chapter four, it says people will abandon the faith during the later times and follow doctrines of devils and follow deceiving spirits. And I'm not trying to come at you in a hard way, but I don't think this is a church. I think this is something that's not like really a church because you're going against God's words solely. And like, I love you. And that's why I'm coming here. And that's what Paul did. I mean, that's what Paul said about women not being able to speak. And then John in the book of Revelation, how he went to the church. What's your end game? My end game? What are you hoping? She, She did not want anything to do with that. She did not want anything to do with him bringing the scriptures to this quote unquote conversation or this quote unquote unquote fight, if you will, which this is not a fight. He's being very cordial, very respectful for her to her. And uh, she was not having any of the scriptures that he was bringing 
to the table here, and that is unfortunate. And then she says, what is your end game here? Let's see what he says. Going to do today is to come here and tell you that I love you, and, that, and to accomplish what? And to accomplish to tell you to turn away and to repent, like okay. like John did in the Book of Revelation when he went to the church, the lukewarm church. So you've just sat in my office in the church where I have been called by God and by the people here to serve as a pastor to tell me that number one, you don't respect me as a pastor. Oh, you don't I never believe, said I don't respect you. You don't believe that I am called to serve this. Here we go. What did I say earlier? You're going to get you're going to get some nastiness and shortness. Not once did this young man say he disrespected her. Now, does he find her to be in sin? Yes, and he lovingly stated that. And she's getting upset now. And this is exactly what you can expect from someone who is living in sin and not submitting themselves to the word of God church as a pastor because the word tells you otherwise so why would i continue to engage in the word of god it's the word of god if you're going against the word of god but i think that this is where first peter 125 the word of the lord endures forever is what he put up on the screen amen as i mentioned earlier it never changes and god is never changing it always stays the same and his word will not either praise god Desires. I think that this is where we have a have a conflict where we're probably not going to come to agreement because what you see as the word of God, I see as the word inspired by God through humans, written <clears throat> for particular people and places for their context. So do you believe that you have to be a good person to get in heaven, or do you believe that you have to obey God's laws? Because it does say in John 14, 15, if you love God, you'll keep his commandments. And if you're going against God's word, and you're Look at that, that face. It's okay for a homosexual mm. to be married to a homosexual. That is a sin, and it's an abomination in God's eyes. Mm. And I love you, and I'm coming here to tell you the truth of what the gospel truly tells. That's your truth. That's and not the, the truth. Word of God. It's, it. it's what God says. Yeah. That's not my word. That's God's word. That's God's your understanding of God's word. There are- that is his truth. This drives me crazy. This progressive ideology, this progressive thought that says, this is your truth, so I can make my truth whatever I want to be. Just like the whole gender thing. If I want gender to be in my head, if I want to be a male or female or whatever today, that's my truth, and I have the prerogative to do that. Whatever the Bible says, we don't get to change that. We don't get to make it our truth. Just like I tell true brothers and sisters in Christ that I know are saved, or at least I firmly believe they're saved, I tell them, you just can't take the Bible and say, well, this means to me. You have to take the Bible and see what God has said, and that's what it means. So the truth of God's word is true. As a matter of fact, let let me just pause right here. I'm going to reach over here and grab this handy-dandy London Baptist Confession of Faith, but I also want to read some a couple of passages here about the Word of God, because it's been mentioned, and, and, and it hasn't been mentioned from her p- perspective, but we all know this. Many of you are going to know this passage of Scripture. And, and she said it was written from God through humans to a specific audience context, yada, yada. Second Timothy 3.16, this is Paul. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, let's flip over to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, 
and look at verse 20. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So this was prophecy in the Old Testament. God told the messenger, told the prophet, and the prophet told the people, thus saith the Lord. The New Testament writers did the same thing. It was God writing through men. Men were inspired. They were able to write the way they wrote, but it was God's message going forth. This is not your truth, my truth, her truth. This is God's truth, and we do not have the prerogative to change it. And we know this is true because the Bible itself declares that it's true. Furthermore, if we were to look at an old ancient confession, particularly the London Baptist Confession of Faith, 1689, in paragraph one of the section on the Holy Scriptures, I don't want to read all of this, but I do want to read this. I quote, It pleased the Lord to commit His revealed truth wholly to writing. Therefore, the Holy Scriptures are most necessary. Those former ways by which God revealed His will unto His people have now ceased. That is the, the 1689, the Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689. That is, again, shoring up this belief that the Bible already speaks for on its own is that the word of God is true and there's nothing that we can do to change it. We don't have a truth. She doesn't have a truth. It's God's truth. And it stays that way forever. There are multiple it's, it's, creation it's in stories in the Bible. So you're saying the Bible is without conflict. The Bible was written from the apostles that walked with Jesus. Okay. They walked with Jesus. This to me does not feel like an open dialogue. I'm going to ask you to leave now. I'm no, going to tell okay. you, I appreciate what you are doing. I appreciate that you're taking the time to do this. It's because I, I care would, about people and I love them. Yes. If, I didn't, if I didn't come here, I, I care about people okay. so much. I will never ask them to change. I would stand in a bus in front of a bus for any member of our congregation, gay, straight, transgender, bisexual. They are every single one made in God's image. And I love, and I love every. Did you catch what she just said? She will never ask one of her church members to change. L let me just say what this is. This is an unregenerate woman disguising as a pastor of a church under false pretenses, going against the word of God, and not going to call her church members to repentance. This is wickedness. And don't let her semi-niceness fool you. This is an un unregenerate woman, and she's leading people to hell. That bus that she's going to stand in front of, she's going to stand in front of the bus for anyone and not call them to repentance. When you've all seen the memes, it would be hateful of us not to warn a bus that's headed toward a cliff where a, million, or where a bunch of people, all the people on the bus are going to die. It would be hateful for us not to stop that bus. And some say it's hateful for us to, to stop that bus because we're judging. But she's only going to stop the bus because she's not going to ask anybody to change. She's going to stand in the way for him. She's going to stand in front of her members from the biblical truth that this young man has. This is wicked, unregeneration right in front of our eyes. Every single gay I will not ask them to change. Person. My theology will not change because of this conversation today. And that's okay because it does tell us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Thank you for stopping by. This was the part of the video that got me. Out of all the things, this is what got me. 
He says the Bible does say that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And she squinted her eyes real big like she was ready to take a, a swing at this young man and immediately said, this is finished. She is not going to bow her knee on this side of eternity unless God saves her. Unless she truly repents of her sin and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a wicked woman who does not worship the the God of the Bible, that does not worship the Christ of the Bible. She worships she worships self, she worships her own thoughts, her own feelings. And it is a sad day when people scoff at the idea that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's see what we have for the rest of this video, and then we'll close out ours. All right, as you can see there, we just went into the church. And th these are what progressive churches will have now. She's suiting her own desires. She's trying to say scripture and say, oh, this is what I like. You know, maybe it doesn't apply to what it is now. Yes, it does. The Word of God stays the same today. It stays the same as it was forever. Don't call that a church because that is not a church. That's right. And if you see any of those churches, we need to stand up as Christians, and we need to go in there and rebuke these churches just like John did in the book of Revelation. Mm. It's time. I will say that he rebuked this church in a very loving way, in such a way that most people these days wouldn't do. They would just be arrogant and angry and frustrated at the fact that this church is still existing. So uh, what do you think about this? What do you think about this young man just meeting with this female pastor and lovingly calling her to repentance and lovingly telling her that what she's doing is wrong? I, for one... Uh, find it admirable. I, 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 we're likely going to have people all over the board on this, whether they liked it, whether they didn't like it, uh, what could have been done better, how he could have done things differently. But I can tell you this, we are not going to make a difference in this world by sitting on the couch and hoping somebody else does it. So uh, this young man has done it. And um, some may say, well, he did it for the views. Uh, he did it for YouTube, whatever the case may be. All right, guys. Uh, uh, I, I just, I, I, for one, think he did a great job and gave us a glimpse of wickedness right in our own culture with somebody that wants to call evil good and good evil, apparently. So this is what we're dealing with. These are the kind of folks that are out there today. So I want to encourage you on this episode, get out and do something. Preach the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. Don't just go sit in the pews on the Lord's Day and then go to your work and job and home and all of these things that you go to and all these places that you go to and not ever open your mouth about Christ. Get into the streets. Go to, into the public square and proclaim the gospel. Souls are at stake. Even if it's something as uncomfortable as setting up a time to speak with a pastor, whether it's over a cup of coffee or, or a professing pastor, of a church that is like this one, even if it's walking into their office and asking to speak with them. Mr. Garrett Neal, I think you did a great job, young man, and may many more be raised up to do the exact same thing you did. Again, let me know what you guys think in the comments. Uh, I, I, I can't say anything else, but we do see the wickedness of our day, and we need men and women to step up and combat it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Doctrine Matters podcast. Until next time, God bless.